Welcome to another episode of Skincare and Scandals. I'm Nicole, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Alicia. And we're here once again to talk to you about skincare and all the things that you slather on your face. And we're talking about a product today that I don't really think everybody should be slathering on their face. But I feel like all of us have slathered the product on our face at one point or another in our youth. So today we are talking about the St. Ives apricot scrub, which is like so infamous. It's been around what feels like forever. I can remember seeing it at my friend's houses. I mean, it was all over magazines, TV. It it seemed like the only face scrub in the store in the 90s. Um, But I mean, it was so popular. Everyone used it. And I'm not really sure why. I feel like every single one of my sorority sisters had this in their shower when I was in college. And there was also a really lovely green tea variation of this scrub. Oh, I don't remember that. Um, I researched it. It's just as bad. But um, Kelsey, (laughs) if you're listening to the podcast and you notice that bottle got a little low, um, that was me borrowing it. And I'm sorry, but I did occasionally replace it when you were out of town. And I just need to confess (laughs) that to you. So my bad. Nothing like coming clean, like nothing like a decade later. Yeah. I mean, statute (laughs) of limitations has passed. What are you going to do? Sue me? (laughs) Um, Well, you know what? What is interesting about the St. Ives apricot scrub well, and one of the reasons why it's kind of come back into the converse, the skincare conversation a little bit was because back then the face scrub, I guess, used crushed walnut shells, or it was alleged that they used crushed walnut shells to exfoliate. And that's what Kylie Jenner is using in her newest exfoliator item in her skincare line. Yes. And so it's kind of interesting because I feel like you either have this kind of natural powder. I know there's walnut shells you can use and they also use like bamboo powder in some of them. I know that's what the green tea one uses was bamboo and the walnut shells. But I feel like it's either that or it's either the microbeads. And we've heard a lot about microbeads and plastic pollution. And that's a whole different topic for a different time. So in some ways, this is a natural alternative, but it's not necessarily the best thing regardless. Neither is really great. Yeah. It kind of just conjures up this, I don't know. It conjures up this picture of someone scrubbing their face with like a broken walnut (laughs) shell. (laughs) That's what I think of. I think of someone just like going to town, scrubbing their face with a broken walnut shell. I imagine there's probably different... Uh, textures, like some are more finely ground than others. And like Nicole said, yeah, sure. I mean, if you're going to talk about pollution, then maybe like the plastic microbeads are not really the way to go. Many years ago, many, maybe an overstatement, but several years ago, there was actually a lawsuit against St. Ives. Uh, It was another class action lawsuit, like we see so many times in these scandals. And it actually was against Unilever, which is the parent brand that owns the St. Ives line. And the lawsuit was filed in California. So the two plaintiffs that were acting on behalf of the class alleged basically two things, that the 
defendant, that being Unilever or St. Ives, failed to disclose that the scrub caused damage and was actually unfit for use as a facial scrub. And then also claiming that the dermatologist tested labeling was misleading. Ultimately, there was a great deal of litigation. The case lasted or stuck around for a really long time, but ultimately it was dismissed. It lasted all the way through. It didn't go to trial, but just short of trial at the summary judgment stage, which is what we've mentioned before, essentially that the court makes a legal determination that the claims aren't viable to move forward. One of my favorite things about this, though, (laughs) in the summary judgment order, the court actually says that the two plaintiffs that are acting on behalf of the class, that being a gal with the last name of Browning and another one with the last name of Basile, are, quote, asymptomatic class representatives. Apparently, the walnut shell powder never affected or afflicted these two women. Browning apparently testified that she only stopped using St. Ives because she accidentally got it in her eye. Ooh, that's it. (laughs) Like She didn't. So they're claiming that it's like this dangerous product, but the reason she stopped using it didn't have anything to do with potential micro tears on the skin or, you know, anything else, maybe cuts or anything. It was just because she got it in her eye, which I mean, girl, that's just petty. Like just let someone else do it. Because when you go down and you read kind of a little bit of what happened and what the micro tears do, they do actually cause damage to your skin. Yeah. So when you think of like, think about like brushing up like really bad sand on your skin Mm -hmm. or maybe like falling on concrete. I don't know. And you know, the, the court actually said that in the order, they said that it's marketed as an exfoliant, which implies that there's intended resurfacing or abrasion. So, I mean, you know, when, when it says, on the bottle exfoliant, then you should know that there's going to be some sort of maybe physical interaction of ingredients or or something like that. That's going to ultimately cause some sort of abrasion against your skin. So uh, the question is, was it more than was marketed? And it doesn't seem like these two ladies were the ones to really, you know, kick the lawsuit off. No, but reading some of the, like, not necessarily the claims, but just stories of people who use St. Ives and were affected, when you have these micro tears, it creates, like, a way for things to get in. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just like, let's take your pores, which aren't doing that great, or your acne or whatever you're trying to scrub off your face, and then let's rub sandpaper against it and see what happens. It's not necessarily the eraser that people are looking for. Yeah. what happens when those tears get in the walnut shells, whatever, extra dirt, over exfoliations can lead to acne, it can lead to infection, it can lead to wrinkles, it can lead to actual skin infections, which is kind of gross. It can open anything up from mild irritants to, in some cases, staph infections. Ugh. And that ain't cute. No. <laughs> no, no, That no. ain't cute. <laughs> no. I feel like at some point at least when we were younger and we were seeing this apricot scrub everywhere, it kind of seemed like what you were being preached was if you have acne, if you scrub on it hard enough, you can scrub all the acne off your skin and then you'll be left with like bright, clean skin. That's how, that's how I felt it was being marketed when I was, you know, when my brain was partially formed as a middle schooler. (laughs) 
if you just scrub really hard, you'll scrub it all off and then you'll be left with clean skin. Yeah. And so I can't be the only one, the only like 15 year old out there that, you know, was coming to this sort of really ridiculous conclusion. No. And I think that's just like a very natural way that we thought of acne and, or just like clogged pores or whatever. When we were younger, it was your face is dirty. Right. And that's not, now that we know more about hormones and just skin balances and skin barriers, and there's so many factors that go into skin and its issues at the time we were just like, we'll do a better job of cleaning. And right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a pretty effective way. Do you want to use like a washcloth or you want to use like something a little stronger, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that may have been what a lot of people were thinking. Yeah. If you've got a lot of acne, your pores are just unclean. You got to clean them out. So scrub them really hard and everything comes out. But the reality is you are ultimately just completely stripping your skin. And that's mm -hmm. where the redness comes from. That's where the inflammation comes from. That's where the actual barrier damage happens. So exfoliants in and of themselves aren't bad. I mean, they, they do serve a purpose. All right. Should you be using them twice a day? Probably not. I don't know if anyone should be using them every day. I think it depends on the exfoliants. So kind of to go back a little bit, there's obviously two kinds of exfoliants. There's physical exfoliants and chemical exfoliants. So physical exfoliants, I think we're all more familiar with. That's like a body scrub or your St. Ives scrub or whatever. And chemical exfoliants use chemicals to kind of strip off that layer of skin cells. But that's another way of doing it. And you can also have some of these issues with chemical exfoliations and make your skin raw and unstable, etc. But I think it's a little bit easier to control the effects with the chemical exfoliant than a physical exfoliant because there's more human error when you're scrubbing your face manually than just applying something. Well, so, I mean, the, the purpose is to remove dead skin cells basically. And so you're, you're left with that, like fresher, the fresher cells underneath. So ultimately what you're doing is then trying to combine products so that you're speeding up that like cell turnover process. So you're continuing to see that fresher, newer skin regenerate. And that's what's sort of on top of your, like, that's what, that's what people are actually seeing. Yeah. You mentioned the chemical exfoliants. And I know that we've talked about some things like AHAs and BHAs on the, uh, on the podcast here before, mm -hmm. but that's just like one example of chemical exfoliants when you're doing like a mask or something like that. Yeah. I think another one, I'm trying to think of the things I use on a daily basis. I do Actually, I don't use anything on a daily basis. Even my toner, that's an AHA, BHA. I'll switch between that and a glycolic acid. And I probably use them every other day still. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm really thinking about it, I don't use them every day. And my skin can handle that because I have thicker, just more oily skin. Well, oily in parts starting to get a little drier as I get older. But I really don't think that anyone should be using exfoliant every day. I mean, if it works for you, that's great. But I wouldn't recommend it. And when you kind of look at St. Ives is kind of marketed as a daily product. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can think of another nineties chemical exfoliant that would be like Stridex pads and Noxema pads. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be a you great like example. 
swipe and burn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> swipe and burn. Yeah. And you're like, it's working. It's killing the chemicals. <laughs> That's exactly right. You would think it's working Ugh. because your, your skin would be on fire for that like five seconds until it finally dried. I mean, I think that saying um, beauty is pain has gotten more <laughs> and more outdated. Yeah, as we sure. go on, like unless you're maybe getting an injectable or a laser, I don't know. Beauty shouldn't be painful on a daily basis. If yeah. it's painful, leave it to the medical professional, not yourself. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think maybe maybe that's the the big overarching lesson in this one is that your daily beauty routine should not be painful. I mean, it really shouldn't. Our skin is really good at healing itself. So you're going to have a lot of warning signs before you get to a point where you're in a lot of danger. You're going to be seeing redness and irritation and that sort of thing. So again, the, the exfoliants, whether you're using a physical exfoliant or a chemical exfoliant, I mean, these are good things to have. It's just not necessarily something you should be doing every day. Exactly. If you, I think one of my tests, which is bad, now I don't do this as often because, you know, I'm smarter and I don't over exfoliate my skin as much. But like, if you can't smile properly and your face feels tight, stop doing it. That's like a good barometer. Like if you're ever doing something or using a treatment and your face starts to feel tight, that's a sign that you need to stop and not stop, but scale back, repair your moisture barrier, and then maybe just cut back a little bit on the exfoliants. Well, and I think one thing that we know now is the importance of moisture, moisture, moisture in the healing process. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can remember washing my face and yeah, I mean, I would wash my face when I was younger, but I never moisturized it with anything because I thought putting lotion on my face made me oil, oily. Yeah. So I never put moisturizer on my face when I followed up with some like skin stripping soap, whatever I used. Um, you know, I, I'm really curious since skincare has become such a big thing right now. I'm really curious what like teenagers that are embracing these skincare routines, what their skin is going to look like when they're in their thirties. Because I mean, I, we were out there with St. Ives every day. That's (laughs) true. And Noxzema pads, like, and we're struggling (laughs) now in our thirties to try to make sure that we don't look like wrinkly and crazy, but yeah, I'm really curious, you know, to see in the next couple of decades, people that are embracing this now that are still you know, very much in their youth and their teenage years, what they're Mm going to look like when they're in their twenties and thirties, because they've embraced these things now. But yeah. So when you're doing some sort of exfoliation, whether it's chemical or whether it's physical, you've got to follow up with some sort of moisturizer and really, if you can a hyaluronic acid as well. So you've got to slow down that moisture loss and up the healing process through that extra moisture. And then If you're finding that your moisturizer, you know, maybe you went a little too hard on your exfoliator, maybe you used it a little bit too much and your moisturizer maybe is stinging you a little bit, or it's just a little bit too much, go straight Vaseline or Aquaphor. I mean, that stuff is very sensitive. It's just petroleum jelly type products and will provide a great deal of a moisturizing effect to your skin. It's called a slugging Alicia. Get with the TikTok <laughs> lingo. 
Well, I don't, you know, not everybody may know, but I suppose if they're listening to us, then they should know what slugging is. I mean, I was like slugging. I don't get what that is. And then I had to Google it. But now that I know um, (laughs) that is referred to as slugging. Yes. Speaking of skincare advice, should we move on to our skin queries for Yes, I love this. So this is actually a good one. And I really like this one because it kind of pairs with the line of like just taking care of your face and being cautious. So our skin query was, do I need a retinol? And how do you know that you need one? What are your thoughts? I love this question because the answer is yes, you do need a retinol. And I think everybody, if you're a human, you need one. That's how you know you need one. I think the question is more not, do I need one, but what strength of retinol do I need? And Mm -hmm. the, the literature, the advice, just about everything you see on the internet and from doctors, from medical professionals says that whatever retinol you're using serum, lotion, et cetera, it needs to be used at night. So you a hundred percent, you use the retinol at night. You're going to use some sort of vitamin C product in the morning, and you're going to make sure you're wearing your SPF during the day when you're using that retinol at night. And there's so many products and different options out there for percentages so that you can start off low. It can be very uh, user-friendly, soft for your face, and then sort of work up in percentage and strength as you go along. I think what you said is really important is to kind of start low and then progressively go high. I know there's like a lot of advertisements and a lot of things on how you can get prescription retinoid, which is a stronger form of retinol. And I wouldn't recommend necessarily jumping into that as your first step. Definitely look for your percentages and start low and go high. And when you kind of notice like this isn't effective or my skin can handle it or I want a little more, then you can keep going down that path. So there are some other things that you can actually pair with retinol when you're looking to kind of up the effects to get the the most bang for your buck, really. A lot of people ask, you know, can I combine vitamin C with retinol? I think everyone's pretty much in agreement that that's not a good idea, but a lot of people layer retinol with hyaluronic acid. And then a lot of people layer retinol with niacinamide. I personally layer my hyaluronic acid with my vitamin C. So I do that in the morning, but I like to combine my retinol with niacinamide. And I feel like it is a really great combination for my skin. Yeah. I also use the sandwich method as Alicia mentioned, but I start and I'm cutting down a little bit because I just started my first prescription retinoid and I think it's a little too strong for me. So I'm just using it in my forehead area where I see active wrinkling and I'm going to go back to retinol just for the rest of my face. Cause I don't have that much wrinkling, but I want to be preventative, but I do a hyaluronic acid serum. Then I do my retinol and retinoid in its respective areas. And then I top that with moisturizer. So it's not going directly on my skin. And then I'm also locking it in for some barrier repair. So that would be my tips on the retinol, retinoid, use it. If the words baby Botox have crossed your mind, it's time. (laughs) Well, and I think you can, you know, if you're listening to us talk about our routines, you know, for example, so I'm using 
niacinamide with my retinol, but I'm actually using a niacinamide cream. So I'm kind of trying to combine some things with one. It's a form of vitamin B and it helps with pore size and that sort of thing. So I combine these two things together for the evening. It helps decrease the side effects of dryness and irritation of retinol because retinol alone can irritate your skin. So niacinamide sort of helps protect that skin barrier. So I actually used to have a retinol and I, a retinol eye cream, a niacinamide serum, and then a separate moisturizer, but I found a niacinamide moisturizer that I use now. So I say all of that to say there are lots of sort of all in one items out there. You can find great, I mean, even drugstore brand retinol night creams that sort of have lots of vitamins and other things in them that you can just use that if you wanted to as a standalone item. You don't necessarily have to go out there and find a separate retinol serum to then, you know, go beyond and use that moisturizer. A lot of times the moisturizers that have retinol in them are going to be gentle enough that just about anybody could use them every day and not necessarily have a problem. If you're using a standalone retinol serum, however, it's best to use it one day go a couple days before you use it again, just to see how your skin is going to react. Even if you believe that the percentage or the amount of retinol in that serum is low. I definitely agree. Yeah. That was a great skin query. You know, I think we see retinol and, and information out there about it so much. And I think there's, it's a little bit of a hidden mystery for some people. And so mm-hmm. I I definitely think that everybody should be incorporating it into their nighttime routine somehow. I mean, you can, you can only, you can only see benefits. All it can do is make you look better. So you should definitely try it. And when you're using retinol, don't forget your neck. When you've got that extra serum on your fingers, you know, go ahead and put it on your neck because your neck has wrinkles too. And you don't want to neglect the neck. Okay. I don't need this targeted advertising. Okay. (laughs) I'm kidding. No, the more like, I'm really good about my face, but I actively hear Alicia in my head, like, don't neglect the neck. I'm like, oh, (laughs) let me, let me rub it down. (laughs) But yeah, since we've started this podcast, like I've always been good about sunscreen on my neck, but I never take the skincare down to the neck. So I've definitely been doing that. Like I said, my go-to is the gold bond neck cream. That stuff is amazing. It is like 10 bucks at target. If you have not purchased that stuff yet, buy it. It's, it's an incredible product. I mean, again, all this stuff can do is make you look better. That's all it can do. And so why not take like five minutes to make yourself look better? That's it. We don't know. That's all we have for you today on this episode of Skincare and Scandals, the podcast where we only tell you about things that can make you look better. (laughs) (laughs) No, this has been such a good episode. I enjoyed a little blast from the past and talking about some, some things from our youth a little bit. The St. Ives scrub, it will always hold a special place. But if you do one last note on the scrub, if you have it, it's really great for your body. Yeah. Just don't oh, yeah. use it on your face. So don't, it's not something that we're telling you to like toss out. Just like maybe like skip the face, do neglect the neck, and then maybe use it on the lower <laughs> half. So that's my final thought for today. And remember, you should always be chatting with a dermatologist or another medical provider about the products that you use and the frequency in which you use them. Make sure that you're getting some good advice there. It's always really important. Yeah. 
But if you want some non-dermatological advice, you could always follow <laughs> us on Instagram or TikTok. You're always welcome to send a skin query via DM. Sometimes we'll post it on our story. So feel free to chat and engage with us anytime yes. that you feel. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.